This is the second episode of Stories from the CRISPR Drawer. If you have a fr- single friend who's got a l- very large, uh, what are they called, deep freezes, and no wife or no girlfriend, be concerned. Maybe some of your other friends are living in that deep freeze now. <laughs> also, this is, episode is brought to you by Jack Mills, who's currently teaching communist students in China to be capitalists. Should I be scared now? Well... You know where this is going to go. You sign up for this. <laughs> it's true. I'm questioning my life choices right now, but that's, you know, that's fr- called Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, I'm fairly certain that a bunch of uh, Navy uh, Navy guys are questioning their choices, signing up for that football team just to lose by one point in a missed field goal. Oh, that was heart-wrenching to watch. It was uh, it was a fun game, though. I watched a, probably about half of it there, yeah. picked up highlights and that, so... Yeah. Always a fun game to watch, and you can never miss out the Army and Navy game every yeah, year. Yeah, that's for sure. Go Army! Now, beat Navy. Yeah, well, you beat Navy this time. You've done it twice in a row. Now you have to do it for 13 more years to set the record. Spoiler alert for anybody with the Army Navy game sitting on their PVR. I'm thoroughly impressed you're listening to this podcast before clearing off the PVR. <laughs> I'm thoroughly impressed that we actually have somebody else who would have that on their PVR. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's face it, like, if any Americans are listening to this, they've probably, uh, I don't know, they've probably been watching it live streaming or <laughs> had text updates going on. It's true. It's true. Yeah. For some reason, Google keeps sending me text updates on the uh, local hockey game. It's like, I don't care about the local hockey team. So, <laughs> yeah. All, all Google tells me is my uh, offline maps for the map app are expiring. So, <laughs> Google must like you better. But it's yeah. when you actually... Half useful information. Well, for like so. one week, it may, it kept asking me to review a um, a restaurant we were at because I took directions there. I'm like, okay, Google, I've told you two days in a row I'm not going to review this restaurant because I don't want my reviews online. And well, spoiler alert, it is a really, really, really freaking good restaurant. Oh, which restaurant is that? Uh, this is your online review of that restaurant now. The Nash. Oh, the Nash. I love the Nash. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's a little bit loud in there because there's no soft furnishings, but it's really, really cool. I love the tile. Yeah. Which side have you eaten on? I can't remember. I think it was more to the left side of it. So Yeah. So the dining room side? Yeah. More the dining room yeah. side. So a little, little bit noisy just because there's nothing soft in there, but oh, the food was so good. Yeah. But you... I had an amazing, I think it was a seafood linguine there yeah. the one time. And, oh. No. Well, you do realize that if they did put anything soft in there, it would totally ruin the aesthetic. There's not a lot of that it's area. It's true. You and could... white leather and white furnishings never end well. Yeah. So no. I think you should maybe introduce who I am because I'm just this <laughs> lifeless voice or voice. So this is voiceless my life. This is my roommate who happens to be an accountant named Jeff. <laughs> He's probably one of the few accountants I actually like in this world. Uh, there might be another one interviewed sometime soon but he's not really doing that accountant of a a job (laughs) it's funny you bring up the accounting that you like because uh it was just the other day that uh one of those facebook memories came up that said yes but you're an accountant who shoots i value 50 times more than all other accountants taxation is theft taxation is theft (laughs) hoorah now we've jumped into that meme just for fun (laughs) is that a meme actually taxation is theft yes oh Tells you what kind of tax person I am. If I didn't even know that was a meme, that's <laughs> it's, just my it's job. Not, it's not really a meme up in Canada yet. I'll uh, say that. That's fair enough. Yeah, not, things have to be approved. And that was my phone, which I forgot to silence. Who the heck text message? That was an A10 currently strafing our house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have the uh, A10 Warthog uh, 
GAU-8 Avenger as my uh, text message tone. Always a valid option. Very good. We yeah. just we just need our like our doorbell to sound like that now. Yeah. That would be Well, yeah, it's either that or that Cantina music from Star Wars Episode 4. The Cantina music is always foolproof, but yeah. I would prefer that to be the horn on my car. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> do, 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 do. Get out of my way. Do, 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 do. Yeah. I think if I was going to uh well, if I was going to actually pick a really 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 good doorbell it would be as close to realistic sound. Well, I'd get a microphone on an S7 to Pion. The, uh, well, it's two S7 Pion, actually. It's the loudest artillery piece in the world the Russians made. Hmm. It's so loud that when they fire it, they have to set up a horn 10 seconds in advance to tell the crew, get away from the muzzle. The concussion can technically kill you. Yeah, I could see that. That would be a, that'd be a doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that would just be a door knocker or door knocker downer. <laughs> Might yeah, yeah, the door, the door probably, just well, falls over. Probably the whole building would come down, actually, to be more honest with that. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. I still get a kick out of the title of this podcast. Yeah, stories from the CRISPR drawer. Do you want to add some context to this? Because <laughs> I feel like that needs an explanation more than just your uh, disclaimer at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Stories from the CRISPR drawer was just a joke. that It was kind of a comment that started uh, with me and uh, Jeff. One day I was pulling something out of the CRISPR drawer. We were both grabbing stuff with the fridge and I just said, never, I never trust a CRISPR drawer again. Yeah, I think he was just, I was just sitting at the counter or something like reading or something, barely chatting. He looks into the fridge and it's like, and then he slams it shut. And it's like, that's the last time I asked the CRISPR drawer for, for advice. advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it's just like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what did I just hear? I was like, oh, it's Justin. Fair enough. So, so now on. whenever I can't, I'm looking into the fridge, like in a serious mood of thought, Jeff assumes there's something wrong with the CRISPR drawer. As in the last time they did it, he's like, well, is something wrong with the Christmas drawer? No, my apple has two asses. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that one happened, but that was something. I forgot about that. Yeah, but that was the follow-up, oh. like about nine months after the first one. Yeah, and the name just kind of stuck, so. Yeah, that it is. I think it was a good choice for a podcast for you, sir. Yeah, well, it was either that or what the hell did I do now, but I think that's, uh, well, it's just about as long, but if... I'm surprised somebody hasn't taken it yet. I've actually checked around. There's no podcast by that name. But also, it's very much more... generic. Yeah, very generic and much more singular. Yes. It means much more of a basic person's I, I guess stories can go in a million different directions here. Yeah, so. that's for sure. <laughs> such as, <laughs> Which is slightly horrifying, but... Such as the story of how we discovered that my family's new dog's uh, true name is Emperor Biscuit. Oh, thank you, Facebook. Yeah. I don't like Facebook a lot of days, but uh, the day I found one of those, uh, you know, name switchers and discovered that his name is truly Emperor Biscuit, I think is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that it is. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's definitely very good. Uh, well, we sort of had an idea of what we want to talk about today, um, but again, as free flow... One of the things we were thinking of talking about is just making fun of economists, because they always seem to be wrong. <laughs> economists. Uh, uh, if you lined them up all end-to-end -end around the world, they would still not reach a conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, macroeconomists have successfully predicted nine of the last five recessions. Oh, One of my favorite things ever is the uh, 
10 rules of economics explained. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that we actually used that textbook when you and the I took economics. The fact that economics, it is still the standard economics textbook. Oh, if you've never seen that, it is... Oh, it's, it's an amazing one of the funniest, video. One of the funniest YouTube videos ever. Yeah. I go back to it probably annually and watch yeah. it again. Or So, yeah, that's an amazing one. The guy who does it, he also has another dude who has a... Uh, um, he has a guest come on in one of his videos that's uh, basically the most insane PowerPoint presentation, which is chicken, chicken, chicken. Yeah, always another classic. Yeah, that's what... But Yeah, economists, they're... Um generally wrong about things but they are they serve a purpose at least that's yeah they serve a purpose to know that we were at least throwing in the general direction of a dartboard yeah that's i mean let's put it this way they the dartboards to the north and they're throwing usually at the east or the west but hey they're not thrown from the south so you're safely standing behind them just yeah not anywhere else yeah if if you see an economist staring at a wall like get behind him because problems are going to happen He'll predict things that can't come true, but he'll write textbooks about how it has to happen that way. I think one of the biggest issues with economics, though, is uh, all these schools of thought come out of a a bias. Is that the right word for it? A bias of towards a correlation or causation argument mm-hmm. with events. Yeah. I think that's where so many schools of thought of economics come out of is a misguided conclusion if you will on on the correlation or causation of events or series of unfortunate or fortunate yeah tragic and it seems that economics unfortunately goes towards the way if they're trying to explain a lot of things which are usually very complex by simplifying them down it's like well this happened so by these two things happened and causation me and they think that causation is correlation a lot of the time, so they basically Absolutely. take two completely events that happened simultaneously, and they think, well, if this happened and this didn't happen, then this wouldn't have happened, so somehow it all makes sense. It's like, you guys, your original principles go back to scarcity of materials. How the heck are you spending all the time trying to convince us that uh, if we give the government 70% of our money, things will work out fine? Scarcity of my after-tax dollars? Yeah. That's also, what they're explaining. That's what they're making. Ah, now I get it all. Yeah. I also don't get how uh, economic, well, economists can argue for demand side economics. It's like, hey, if we've got a demand for something that doesn't exist, the price will be really high, but it doesn't exist, so there's nothing there. So one of the arguments I heard, and I've I've done some reading on this. I don't fully get it, but I'll disclaimer with that. But some of the reading I've heard is that demand side economics, so Keynesian like surplus or um, stimulus, it works when you're starting from a very low amount of debt in a country, right? So if you had zero debt and you went up to 10% debt to GDP, stimulus works to an extent. But once you're getting up to that 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 200% range, if you're Japan, stimulus doesn't work anymore. And that's where it becomes a drag on the economy. And that's also assuming that those countries don't have massive entitlement programs. Aha! And, and, Assumption number one! <laughs> and that that their uh, population pyramid is properly shaped to make sure that the oldest generation is the smallest. Absolutely. Your idea is to inflate away that debt, which, again, low debt, low debt to GDP countries, it can work. When Keynes dreamt up those theater, theories in you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s, it, there was much lower debt numbers and the growth rates were much higher. Mm-hmm. And so were the birth rates. So all of those worked back then. So 
I think if people heard, or if he heard people using Keynesian economics in this day and age with the kind of debt numbers we're dealing with globally, he'd be rolling in his grave. Well, I mean, this is only being heard from secondary sources, but didn't he at one point like disavow his ideas at a certain level of debt? Didn't he basically write like, you have, this is a very, it's a very small window of opportunity you can do them in. And after that, he, he started more like he say, like, then you have to go to supply side. I believe he, I don't know if he went as far as saying it was supply side, but I know he did kind of disclaim. Well, he walked some of it back. Yeah, I think he just placed, I think he had done more observation and placed it that disclaimer yeah. that you needed the the low debt, more growth for it to be effective. Um, but unfortunately, the, shall we say, more left-leaning politicians decided to just tune him out at some point and just say, oh, Stimulus spending, stimulus spending. We need to do more, more, more of it. Government needs to get involved in the economy, blah, blah, blah. And they just ignored his, I guess, warnings or? Yeah, uh, ominous predictions. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody told him he had been hanging out with Friedman too long or whatever. Well, yeah, (laughs) probably. (laughs) Friedman's probably like, uh, you realize that the currency we're using is a fiat currency and nobody buys fiat cars. What do you think is going to happen when we have too much fiat currency? People are going to be like, I don't drive a car called fiat. Why am I going to have a currency called fiat? So shouldn't a fiat 500 cost 500 bucks in theory? They should pay you 500 bucks to take it off the uh, lot. Right. No, you pay 500 bucks a year in repairs for the uh, air conditioner or something like yeah. that, probably. It's crazy. Italians make supercars and then all their budget vehicles are like, shoot me in the head. It doesn't work. Yeah, but you know what? The Italian supercars are a little bit less than reliable as well. They're gorgeous cars. Some parts of them are built beautifully, but your maintenance costs on them. That's true. Right? Well, although, well, it's, it's a car that costs 10 times as much. Every component in there is going to cost 10 times as much. It's crazy that the Italians have not figured that out, and yet their firearms industry is probably like the second or third best in the world different type of people <laughs> manufacturing those yeah but it's still like the similar it's still the same general technology and school of thought of like thing must go bang stuff must move must be oiled must be properly machined and put together within a certain degree of tolerances can you imagine if ferrari built a firearm uh it would probably be it probably wouldn't shoot but it would fly out of your hand really quickly <laughs> <laughs> and it would be painted red Bright red. And it would have carbon fiber in all the wrong places. Yeah, probably. So, Or as Jeremy Clarkson would say, a little bit flamboyant, you know, a yeah. little outrageous. Yeah. So. <laughs> but We are fans of the Grand Tour here and the old Top Gear. Did you watch the new episode yet? No, I haven't gotten around to it. It is everything you want in a TV show. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So even if you don't like cars, I mean... Well, that's it's a travel show now. Well, it's 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 a traveling co- and commentary with comedy that happens to ha- be based around cars. Yeah, it's it's actually like such a huge genre slicer that it's like the only thing standard is you're gonna have three guys talking, you're gonna have cars, and you're gonna see beautiful looking places. Yeah, just filmed beautifully in that yeah. too. So yeah, thank you, Jeff Bezos, for your billions. Uh, <laughs> go back to real estate. It, well, actually, if you do, if uh, your blue, uh, whatever the heck, uh, space mission is a blue origin, if that works out and you're able to get to Mars before, uh, you know, Musk, please do, because then you can sell Amazon for a penny again, 
and have real estate worth investing in. It's funny. I've seen Amazon actually advertising on TV lately, which is really weird. You used to see the old from A to Z commercials, and that was about it. Every like once over like six months. Yeah. And now it seems like they're doing all sorts of marketing stuff, which is kind of fascinating actually yeah. to see how they. Yeah. Well, eBay has also been advertising on TV. eBay goes in phases. Do you remember the I want that? Or was yeah. It the, yeah. Uh, was but, it the it? No, the it ones. Okay, yeah, I should. I should. Whatever press. it is, you can find it on eBay. The, yeah. On eBay, right? Yeah. And they have should, the it's like floating yeah. around the world. And yeah, I should preface the uh, eBay one with um, the fact that I was watching the video game awards on Thursday <laughs> night, and they had eBay like buy graphics cards on eBay for good prices. Like, and if they're cards that are designed that are really good at mining Ethereum, they will have been mine. The guy will have mined Ethereum with them until he can't do it, and now he's selling his card to get his investment back. Yeah, probably. Cause, yeah, because I think, yeah. Is Ethereum still profitable to mine? Because I know Bitcoin is not economic to mine it anymore. I think Ethereum, well, I haven't kept on. I think it's getting close to that plateau where it's you have to have farms at that point. Right. You're going to have to have server farms doing it, which means that China is going to lead the way again. Yeah. <laughs> so they always do. They got enough server farms lying around. It's just... They basically go into villages, take the kids' uh, PCs away because they've spent too much time playing StarCraft 1 and 2. And it's like, okay, throw these computers in the corner and have them mine either Bitcoin, Ethereum, or whatever digital currency is currently out there. Am I being detained? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're Chinese, yes, you are, (laughs) fortunately. Yeah. I, I haven't done much reading into Ethereum yet, but I know the idea was to be another blockchain-based currency, but with some small improvements over Bitcoin, essentially? Was there marketing, essentially? Well, the thing was, Bitcoin, well, Bitcoin requires, like, just, it's a drain on CPU, and Ethereum was simple graphics cards, like, relatively cheap graphics cards could do it all. Yeah. But then they, um, again, they then get to the point where it it was just, a lot of people were just buying graphics, graphics cards in bulk, which was why the prices haven't gone down about two years. For any of them, yeah, I've noticed they've been staying up there a little bit longer. That's because all the, albeit, that's how, I think we're also affected by our weak dollar and a little bit of yeah. But even in too, the U.S., so. it's like having a very minimal drop, but hmm. mostly because Ethereum's very well mined with the mid-range graphics cards. Oh, okay, so the enthusiast cards, which typically have the longest shelf life to drop in price anyway, like Ethereum's not really touching them. But all the cards below them, that when those prices drop, then they start bringing the big ones down. It's like those ones have stayed up because the demand is so high for them for Ethereum mining. Hmm, interesting. I, I know there's at least like, what, three or four other digital currencies out there. And I saw a graph today uh, uh, <laughs> that basically compared uh, Bitcoin to the tulip bubble. <laughs> it's funny. My dad uh, emailed me on that the other day. He's like, is this tulip mania? He's like, and I'm like, yep. Probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bitcoin is a bubble for sure. Blockchain technology is is what's the value there, and that's what's going to change everything, right? So, yeah. Once you convince the uh, world that, well, once you convince the digital world that they have to stop comparing it to an actual government regulated currency. Yes. Because, well, forget the currencies, just the blockchain technology in general. I I know, I think it was, it probably was about a year and a half ago now, but the first banks used blockchain technology to do like essentially replace wire transfers mm-hmm. overseas because it's instant verification um, of your account, everything, right? Yeah. And it can't be, that record can't be altered after it's entered. So, I mean, it's going to change 
banking. It's going to change my work and auditing and tax and yeah. everything. So well, it's going to make things technically easier to track. It's going to, yeah, it's going to make auditing look very different. You're going to be putting in queries. It's going to be all curated auditing now. Yeah. And you just put in queries of a blockchain system. It verifies and verifies the, it's there, decrypts the transaction and you're done auditing, right? Yeah. It's even going to carry data re- related to it that can't be modified. So yeah. Well, it's, that's always, that's always that's also the big thing with digitization of any form of legal document is that's yeah. why that's once that technology fully gets out, that's going to make the move towards paperless world yeah. possible. Because let's put it this way: if you're a lawyer's firm, even if you're able to get away with a lot of scanning, you still have to keep at least some amount of physical copies of that stuff. Because, oh, absolutely, yeah. Because you know. There's a lot of jerks out there who are good enough with a Photoshop to make it look like it's an authentic copy. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think like things like corporate seals on actual papers coming back, right? The embossed corporate yeah. seals, they're uh, they're still a big deal. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we still keep some like paper copies of things, but it's it's less and less and less. And like even our, you know, letters to the government, or whatever, are often signed digitally now. Yeah. Um, I won't allow them to do that for me, but <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, I have this personal rule that if it's my name on it, I comes across my desk. desk and, so, well, yeah, you don't want your name being attached to something, and then six months later, investigation time. Well, exactly. I mean, like it, it's not even that that risk. It's just like I just want to know. I want to protect my name in general. Yeah, and be able to know what's going, going across, on. So, but, yeah. but we have gone mostly digital. So, or at least it it starts starts digital, goes paper, and then goes digital again, again. for essentially archiving. So, yeah, which has been kind of considered valid enough the, but the, probably the way to go for most of yeah. that stuff yeah so i sign some things like on an ipad now though like, yeah it does work but yeah that reminds me i was um at work i was talking to my boss and we were talking about how uh, amazing just in the past 10 to 15 years how amazing technology is and we were talking about how um how there's so much out here how much how quickly technology has grown and how much better our lives have become but we still complain about it and how certain industries are very slow at adapting Let's do it this way. The uh, CRA still uses facts. Yeah. Uh, let's not do with that, but... but um, <laughs> how, that's a touchy um, subject. Well, uh, yeah, that's, that would be freaking annoying sec. But, you know, almost every person, or at least almost every person under the age of 50 usually has a smartphone now. Yep. That means that for, let's say you're running a delivery company, you no longer need to freaking buy those $800 digital terminals that have the scanners on them. Absolutely. The guy's already got a smartphone. You just put an encrypted app that connects to it. Yep. Like UPS and FedEx have basically said, like, guys, just use your smartphones to yep. do all their stuff. And yet, uh, Canada Post is still. Uh, we're still waiting uh, for mail uh, that's delivered in the city to take seven days to get to our place. Uh, I have no idea. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. What are you waiting for? Oh, just checks from the uh, for my company I work at for oh. paying. But seven days, and we know where these offices are. We know they're downtown. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, but um, we had one check. Uh, my boss said he uh, sent it in, and it was just like uh, I think he said when they sent it because they called he they called us the day they sent it. It was two months. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. And the excuse was we put an inquirer in and basically like, oh, we found it at the bottom of uh, one of the old bins. So, that's bad. Uh, it's like, okay, well, that's a year's rent for that company. Good job. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Just yeah. money like that. Yeah. Yeah, with those kind of things, we send them by a courier now. It's just like, you know what? The cost of that is just yeah. worthwhile to 
you know, pay a little extra. Yeah. But yeah, just how, um, what else we were talking about? We were talking about something and just how, you know, we've almost everyone's got these nice, super portable supercomputers. How much easier the world is, like, and how there's, because of these portable computers, how much easier business, like, creating of new businesses are. Yep. I mean, you know, let's put it this way. 30 years ago, if you wanted to create a courier service, you were going to, well, the most expensive thing would, of course, be your tracking system now. Yeah. Today, I mean, that's still a relatively powerful software, but you don't have to worry about buying expensive and heavy and, unfortunately, batteries that don't last that long in those things travel around. Like, yeah. those, the first tablets that uh, UPS infects it to carry around, like, I know those things basically had to be charged as soon as they got back in the vehicle because their lives and the battery was jokes and they died yeah. within a year like you have to give new batteries within a year oh yeah That's- i mean you know what one of the companies that actually has done very good with the smartphone integration is apple like look go walk into an apple store and every terminal they well, have is all an it's an iphone or i think it's an ipod touch they still use yeah that's what it's essentially just in an enclosure that has a verified interact chip pad on the bat yeah back and well, yeah, that's go, what I'm talking right? about, I mean, how, how much easier it is to actually be a startup company now, to do all that stuff. Yeah. Storefront work, like, besides, unless you're dealing with cash, it's the only time you need, like, really a, a sliding cash drawer that, with a lock. Yep. But, and uh, even those, those can be app-connected. Now, I have yeah. three restaurants yeah. I go to downtown that use those square readers. Yeah. The square terminals. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Your costs I mean, are nil. <laughs> practically. But yeah, yeah I mean, you still get um, some industries that are just locked in their old ways. Like we bought 10,000 of these Intel 2003 purchase terminals and we're not going to move them on even though support for them is dying and our IT guy can only fix one every three days yeah. and we've got like well, lines dead. I walked into Sears during their clearance sales here <laughs> and looking at their terminals like these are I- IBM terminals from like 1999, like pre-iPhone, pre-iPod terminals. It's well, like... pre-mobile computer that yeah, actually exactly. was worthy. But like these big, hunky terminals, it's just like in that ugly tan color. I never figure out why computer companies use that ugly tan color for all the enclosures. I, I think, it was just a weird color. I think it was a focus group done by, <laughs> probably by um, like freaking, uh, probably by Compact back when they were first making, or no, who made the first personal computer besides from... Uh, before Apple did, there was that one company who came up with the the interface that Apple kind of took it from. Jeez, was it was it Intel or was it IBM? It was one of the big. It was IBM that really. It was one of the big it. ones, and yeah. then they, but they screwed up. Like they basically marketed it so heavily to the like really they like I have to find that video again, but it's them marketing it very early, and it's so business talk that almost nobody understood what the heck they were saying. <laughs> And there's a documentary on it that Steve Jobs is like, they had the greatest victory of mankind and they threw defeat at it. <laughs> it's like they had the victory and they just couldn't accept anything but defeat. And it's just like they must have focus grouped that to the point where it's like tan is such a basic neutral color that nobody's going to care about it. It's like, well, now today we see that every color is the proper color yeah let people choose although at least we've seen a lot less the computers that are all the flashy colors like do you remember that days when hp had about 80 different colors you could pick from for their computers and their laptops well i remember that with yeah i remember hp did that uh, dell did that dell, dell did like that. the sony replaceable did that covers with, on the laptops. sony did that with their uh, their first generation vizio series in like the uh 2005 the vios yeah those yeah. vios yeah yeah but 
At least they've simplified that a little bit now. But what? yeah, that tan color, I never figured out where that came from. So it was weird. Like, I know the black ones I were like wonder, seen as I, like their elite computers because yeah. the black ones looked good. Like, yeah. I wonder, if they, I wonder if, to be honest, the tan is also just the fact that that Sears building's been around for so long, probably the nicotine smoke that got to it. That, you know what? That wouldn't surprise me one bit in that building. That was a, that was a building. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you can still see the outline of the letters where it said Simpson Sears. Yeah. And how long Simpson Sears been gone? 30 years, probably. Like, uh, it was never around when we were alive. No, probably. I'm probably, probably just at the end of the 80s. Well, the fact is the only person I know who refers to Sears as still Simpson Sears is my grandmother. <laughs> and, well, actually, I should say that a guy I went to high school always called Sears Simpson Sears, but that was more of like an insult to Simpson. It was more ironic than anything. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, look, yeah. here's a giant that will be dead in 10 years. Yeah. And, well, he said that in 2007, so he's kind of right. Hey, I still call Rona Revy. <laughs> now it's Lowe's. And now it's Lowe's. I just learned that the one up here changed the other day yeah. to Lowe's. I was like, Well, that was their official reopening. Yeah, but it was just like, oh, they changed. I forgot they bought them. So yeah. does this mean they're actually going to carry more stuff now? No. <laughs> no. Though... When I was going on the Rona website, because there's still some Rona stores in Calgary, yeah, like the selection on the uh, on the Lowe's website is considerably better, and the delivery times and the oh, con- it, it the has delivery, been for a long time, yeah, and the delivery times are still are like the price for free delivery is lower on the Lowe's than it is on the Rona. Can you just say that sentence again? The price for free delivery, no, not not <laughs> price for free delivery, but like the cost of objects before you get free delivery. Yes, like the, the barrier to free delivery. I'm picking entry. up what you're laying down. Okay, we're good. I just had to rub that into you, so it's my job. Waterboarding is coming soon. Tutorial at 11. <laughs> God, nobody would... May nobody let me teach university students because they will all go from their nice little special snowflakes to a nice, very warm puddle on the ground. Yeah. Freedom of speech, motherfuckers. Don't stop it. <laughs> uh, well, there goes our clean rating on the podcast. Uh, I typed it in as explicit when I put it on oh, the there website. We go. Anyway, <laughs> I knew it was going to go anywhere. Oh, yeah. But yeah. one of these days. I have been thinking uh, next year we'll probably get some cameras and live stream it. I've found a company that sells good stuff for relatively good prices. Are we going to be jammed in this room as like tight as like crowd? No, to be honest, <laughs> you know where the camera's going to go? I'm going to, you know that little action cam I have? Yep. Put that, just run a mini HDMI from it to my computer, which we'll put under the desk, and we'll just have it sitting up there on a little tripod. Oh, that would work. That'd be about right. That, and if we have to, we can always just get, like, uh, everything I was thinking is seeing if we could drop, like, little tracks from the ceiling and put the XA25, or have mounts for the XA25 and our two DSLRs, because then we can just live pull that into one single thing. It's just getting a good capture card to do it, but... Oh, yeah. There's this company in Sweden that That'd makes, like, That'd be easy current. enough to do, but... Yeah. I mean, even if you edited it afterwards, you do a compound oh, yeah. clip and, like, yeah. Final Cut or something, and... Well, I don't have to worry about that, because I, I, um, I have my desktop upstairs, OBS, which allows for multi-screen broadcasting. Oh, yeah. yeah. For, and this, the Zoom H6 is a beautiful preamp that can be USB straight into a computer. Oh, and it is a live. great device. I, if I was doing more audio stuff i would be definitely using the, well yeah the h6 i so. said this in the episode in the first episode with my brother that if you want a very versatile recording system both for either recording live to your computer or in the field the h6 is cheaper than 
the preamps that you have to buy that are USB connected. I mean, yep. they're not going to be cheaper than USB microphones. Yep. But if you want to do anything in the field or have a quick add-on parts, yep. this thing's way better because this is cheaper than a four uh, input preamp for for USB three. Oh yeah. Because like the th yeah. preamps are like eight to nine hundred Canadian bucks. Yep. No, these are fantastic. So yeah. I have a friend who does a lot of wedding videos and you know various events and that. The Zoom is her go-to. Yeah. Um, They've definitely become. And the then just adding on, you know, a market. Sennheiser wireless mic or whatever. Yeah. Just plugging it in and you go yeah. and. Audio stuff is definitely. Uh, you pay for what you get when it comes to microphones. Absolutely. As long as you know what microphone you're supposed to be buying. Yeah. If you're buying a $10,000 microphone, but you have no idea what application is designed for, good job, genius. I think the key is is matching matching your quality all the way from microphone to output speaker is the key. That's one of the keys, stuff, yeah. Right? Because you can you get a $10,000 microphone, but you plug it into this H6, it's going to sound very good, but you go up to another level and it's going to sound even better. Well, at that point, then you're dealing... But that cost jump is going to be like absolutely. the multi-thousand dollar absolutely jump. absolutely but that's what i say is you're if you match your costs all the way through you're going to but get I'm that quality more, i'm talking more about the guy who's just assuming that the that if he buys one extremely good component all the rest will work oh i agree 100 because a lot of people will just go and think like i just need a really good microphone and buy a five to seven hundred dollar microphone in fact i wouldn't be surprised if somebody has accidentally bought a drum like a a uh, kick drum microphone thinking it'd be a great speaking microphone <laughs> yeah yeah how to have nothing but the low end <laughs> i'm sure there'd be a podcast called that that they just record on kick microphones i'm f fair i wouldn't be surprised considering how many podcasts are out there and how many are unaffiliated just crazy things i mean there's there's a podcast that's just about learning how to podcast. Is that podcastception? It's sort of like that. They, <laughs> they, they, um, they, the thing is, it's also behind a paywall. So to join that organization, oh, it's like no good. it's eight hundred bucks a year. Eight hundred a year to learn like to like this podcasting professional. Okay, we're gonna start a podcast of how to podcast. And we're gonna charge a hundred bucks a year. What are you talking about? We're gonna set it up by tip jar. And then we're going to put it, and then after the year's done, then we'll move everything behind a paywall. DLC! Remember, <laughs> what, you, remember what you used to got for free? DLC. Now it's, now it's locked behind DLC. Yes, we're making fun of Destiny 2, even though neither of us play it. I didn't even know Destiny 2 was all DLC. No, well, no, they just dropped um, the first DLC uh, for it, and they locked out uh, end, uh, end game quests from the first, uh, from before this patch, to now that if you just didn't have the DLC beforehand, you could play it through. If you don't have the DLC, now those quests are locked out. Mm. It's like, but, okay. What they did is they artificially raised the level of required to go to that, and then the, that level is only available if you have the DLC. Yeah, that's weird. That's, uh, well, that's Activision for you. Yeah, I don't like that. I like DLC when it adds content and doesn't inhibit your somebody who doesn't have it. That being said, like I get multiplayer games where like Battlefield 4 or something, well, where the there's like, like DLC-only maps. I get that. That's well, understandable. Well, that's the thing is when you have like a big... like, So when it came to the Battlefield series and most of the Call of Duty series, the games, when they came delivered, came with a very large vanilla map pack set Yes. that 
you could you didn't have to buy the dlc packs for that extra stuff and you still have a ton of fun even if you bought the base game you still have a ton of community and the community didn't really split up because a lot of guys just like playing on the vanilla maps yeah the problem is with the current day iteration is you're seeing these very like the games come with very limited vanilla content and then you have to buy the seasons passes and the dlcs because all the good players have moved on to that those maps only yeah. The one issue I had with like something like Battlefield was when you had like a multiplayer, you know, you had your groups that ran a multiplayer server mm-hmm. and then they would use, say, okay, it's this rotation of maps. Oh, there's new maps. Okay, we'll add it to the rotation. As soon as you didn't have that DLC, you were kicked out. You couldn't use that server, period, because it was yeah. a rotation. If they'd built it where you could still play on that server for the maps that you had, it would have been better. Yeah. Well, I, or just I, say I, you and or just come up and say you cannot join this game because you or this round because you do not have the map pack. Yeah, that would have drawn people in to stay, stay with servers, but probably also buy the the map pack, saying, "Oh, I'm missing out on this round. I want to buy it." Right? They'd probably buy yeah. the impulse if they realized they didn't have it. I I think that w- would definitely have worked better. My only thinking is is that they. <laughs> They didn't think about that until after they had their first map pack out, yeah. and then there was like, we have to read it. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been super hard to have a netcode work, but considering that DICE had already moved on to their next project, yeah. and that um, yeah. and that uh, DICE LA wasn't even in development yet, they, they hadn't pu- pulled those people out to do that. That being said, Battlefield 4 map packs, each DLC was very reasonably priced. It was 10 bucks. Yeah. Each time they brought one out, and they brought one out, what, probably every six months for two years, I think? Ish. Yeah. Ish. And I'm like, you know what, 10 bucks twice a year, I'm not offended by that because I got 10 bucks of value out of adding those map packs or whatever, right? Yeah. So. And yeah, they were reasonably well spaced apart. And frankly, if you did buy like the premium edition of the game when it came out, and that was like, so that was an $80 game. When it you was bought, 100 bucks with the season pass and that all in kind of thing. Yeah. And it wasn't actually, I mean, it was, well, compared to today, that's actually not that bad of a price considering that season's passes with like, with like premium editions are now like 150 plus yeah. bucks now for some stuff. But yeah, you could definitely see like the, the season's pass has come. It's probably going to stick around for a long time. Uh, the scary thing is, is that the idea of constant monetization that's coming out of the video game world of, we need to make sure that your initial purchase of the game is literally the shell of the game. We're yes. going to keep making new stuff that like, we're going to give you this game and for three months, you're going to have it original, like beautiful. And then month four, all of a sudden you start realizing like, okay, this is not a full game. This is, this is Swiss cheese. There's a lot of holes. I just started <laughs> noticing are around and can you help us? Like, sorry, you got to buy the DLC to get that hole filled. It's like, you son of yeah. a bitch. I don't like when they do like, patches via dlc like patches need to stay separate and just be yeah you know standalone freebies like they just need to so yeah. as long as game developers aren't doing that you know what the market will decide whether dlc is yeah. a thing or not correct yeah dlc needs to be uh <laughs> need, can't have patches and you got to have patches without dlc yeah they got to patch games without dlcing patches yeah but um yeah I mean, as long as like adding new content and like upgrading a game or whatever is cool by DLC, that's fine by me. If it's or if it's free as a free DLC as well as yeah, those are always guys because then that's actually more like what you would get in the old days, but in between expansion packs and stuff like yeah. that. It's like hey, well, here's... expansion packs have just switched to be DLCs and more yeah ex- more often right. The difference is is that um, according to the like I guess uh, the only companies that really do expansion packs now are. Um, uh, 
well, uh, what the game is called? Frick. The Sims. Well, Sims is, well, <laughs> Sims, yeah. Sims uses expansion picks. But yeah, I guess I, the Sims are kind of one way to do it because it's, it's a large amount of content that is usually only one release a year, yeah. but it's actually a considerable piece and the pricing still isn't that bad for Wait, it. so The Sims still exists? That game's probably going to go for... That game might... I might probably just offended, like, I don't know how many people, but... Yeah. Well, Sims are a casual game. That's actually a hard casual game, but it is a casual game. I never got into it. I think I played it, like, once at a friend's house, yeah. but... I was Sim City. Yeah. Sim City's fun. Sim City's fun. It yeah. is. The new version is actually really good if you're playing with friends. Yeah. And if you just want the old Sim City feeling, buy... Uh, what's it skyline city xl i think it was yeah i think it's the that's like basically the that's the spiritual successor to the original sim city series yeah i've seen ads for it i've never looked at it so but it's pretty cheap now too i think it's i saw a video where these guys um were terrain forming in that and they were able to make tsunamis that destroyed their cities sweet like miles i was was never a disaster person in sim city though i liked my striving for utopia yeah so <laughs> which means taxes have to go to five percent yeah i think i saw somebody on the latest sim city build a perfect libertarian city and it was like one road perfectly like zigzagged and then it was like a one percent tax rate or something just enough to like get enough yeah and then there was nothing else in the city it was really weird, but really funny and effective. <laughs> like, yeah, it was quite funny just to see how it evolved and like yeah. grew over time. But yeah. people actually moved to it. So yeah. I don't know what's that saying, but well, low tax rates entice uh, rich investors. Yeah, I think the road was in terrible condition, but <laughs> it got all the potholes in it after a while when you keep yeah. your taxes too low. But well, that's the thing is, eventually the government would logically sell that road off to a private company and say, like, okay, yeah, you, right. you deal with it. Did they never put toll roads in SimCity. In any iteration, I don't uh, think. SimCity 4, they did. Did they have toll roads in there? Yeah. Oh. They were, they've, they gave you like a small amount, like SimCity 4, a rush hour, they had them in, and it was like a fixed amount no matter how many cars went through the road, mm. and it would increase congestion. So it's like, you get more money, but it increases congestion, which yeah. means people search for, uh, all I know is that every time I put in a toll road, like four minutes later, I was putting in th- three roads around it, and I was like, well... Time to delete the toll box. Yeah, unless you, I guess you have your toll road is your only way into your like commercial area or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you gotta have it separate enough and enough of a. Or transit. use like your sister city map or something for that purpose. So. Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of like not like I don't think they they should have coded a formula because it was just a flat like no matter what you get a hundred Somalians a, a day from it. it should have right. been considerably so it didn't even more pay for itself until you. Well, it, they were free to put up. Toll, toll booths. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That would make sense. So, but yeah, like it was, it was a trade off. Do you want to try to make some money, or do you want more congestion and well, that's, mess up the rest of your city? Well, that's the thing. So, you want congestion and make some more money, or do you want your city to flow better and not get that guaranteed yeah. fixed income? That's always my argument with roads in general, and like you know, in the city here, it's like you know what? If you want to get rid of congestion, don't put up tolls. Don't try to like create other alternative means of transportation, build a wider road, right? Build because a proper road. A build a proper road. If you need, if you think, oh, we need capacity for six lanes for the next 20 years, build 10. Yeah. Right? That kind of thing. And like uh, somebody was saying, it's like, well, why why should we do that? We should, We have all these nice roads in the city, like all these side roads that we should get people to use more. I'm like, 
because people want quieter, safer roads. And if you put more people on each one of those roads, like they're trying to get around the expressway that's always, you know, congested in that, you're just going to make more maintenance on all those side roads because there's more vehicles in it. Well, not only that, you also have um, when people are driving on the service streets, even though that's a slower speed, people generally, if they have to get somewhere, they're not going to pay as much attention. Yes. At the service streets yeah, you are... you lose safety and... You, you basically see increased crashes and yeah. collisions and oh, injuries. absolutely, right? I mean, but, yeah. I mean, if you build bigger freeways, you're going to get people off those side roads and all that. Yeah. And they're, yes, they're going to be used less, but your maintenance costs on them are going to be yeah. less too. You're not going to be patching potholes half as much. They're not going to get ruts in them, all of that. So. Yeah. And it's also making sure that you understand that when you build a new community, you don't have a single one-lane road in and out yes. of that whole community. Yeah. And also make sure that when the snow falls, that is the last of route. Of yeah, that is priority, priority for route. <laughs> that, yeah, it's like, hey, here's like a community that's mostly meant for feeding downtown that's connected to the main highway, but there's only one road in and out. Yeah. Good job. I'm trying to think how many of those we have around here. I think we get, we've got a... Well, Rocky, or sorry, not Rocky Ridge. Um, not anymore, though. Valley Ridge. Valley Ridge, yeah. Valley Ridge and Crestmont are each one. And then there's the, there was there was that one uh, near... Uh, there was one near Crescent Hills, but I think they... I mean, Harvest Hills, but have they fixed that? Yeah, there was a couple up there. Before, like, the ring road was built, they only had one way in and out. Yeah, so and I think, now that, they're, they're, and they're I think um, once once Country Hills actually ex- crossed over the Deerfoot, it did give them another... They were able to connect yeah, a few through to I remember, that. I remember some of those projects when they were. Yeah. Like, there's oh, that, I know. It's like, well, there's only like 15 houses, so I think you're okay for a while here. Still. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, but it's like some of those communities were nearly like full in, like they yeah. had no more plots of land to sell. They kept having to widen the one intersection in and out. So now we've got these huge like six lane roads <laughs> in and out. It's like great. There's four ways, other ways to get through here now. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It reminds me, there was um, Royal Oak is a fun little community that has only really two ways in. That's a tough hill to ride on my bike. Yeah. But um, a few weeks ago, there was something at the uh, the LRT station at Tuscany that they had to shut down. Um, I still have no idea what the cause was. I have my own suspicions. But they had to shut down the eastbound lanes of uh, Crowchild. Okay, yeah. So that meant that everyone was being forcibly diverted into Royal Oak, going around the road around Royal Oak. Yeah. Well, imagine suddenly that road is now expecting quadruple the capacity it's meant for. Yeah. And also that 90% of those people have never driven that road before, so thus have no yeah, idea Yeah, they don't know going. the back way into their community as well. They know it, but it's just, it's like, wait, well, which way they, do I these go? Well, these are people who aren't even going to that community. Those are people who are trying to get around that community, so they yeah. don't know what turn they know to look for stony trail but they don't know where to go to get to stony trail yeah but it's amazing like i don't know how many of your friends like don't know how to navigate the city very well it's like they are reliant on like either their gps i'm like how did you guys get around before you even like drove and like when you started driving and you didn't have a smartphone right away it's like i can't believe how people don't know our city yeah even like remotely things like you say oh i you know, I want to go down to, uh, I don't know, the mall at 130th Avenue. It's like, mm-hmm. where? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, this place and this place. And it's like, how do I get there? It's like, come on, these are simple places. Like, Well, yeah, that's the good thing with, well, some good thing about our city is most of the major hub roads 
like if you're trying to get to a mall, a major, at least one major hub road is going to go by it. Yeah. And it's probably, oh, absolutely. you're probably only going to need to take two or three exits at max. Yeah. I mean, the trails kind of our rule with trails that they're kind of our main roads. Yeah. Works great, but it's just like, I'm just amazed that people just don't know how to navigate our city. Oh yeah. In general. I, so when I was driving back today. I had to drop off um, some led lights we rented and I decided I could have taken Deerfoot back to 16th or yeah. McKnight or whatever to get back here. And I'm like, yeah, this is on country hills. I'm just going to drive country hills. Just yeah. I haven't done it in a long time. I haven't done it in a long time. I just want to see how it's going. It's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, it's good to know the North half of the city. Make sure I know how to get around it pretty good. Yeah. I have less people, less friends who live in the South half and I know where they all live so yeah. I can actually get there almost blindfolded if yeah. I had to. Yeah. I'm down in the South enough. It seems like now yeah. that my ability to do it is like, I have to be, if somebody drives me there the first time, or if I used GPS once I can get back there. Every yeah. Nine time. times out of 10, I would be the same way. There's the odd time. It's like, wait, is this the, it's the fourth corner or the fifth corner in the communities. But mm. I'm like, I can get close enough to your house that you could walk home from there. Yeah. <laughs> or I could, I could walk there and like, you could talk me in or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, that's but. pretty but yeah, I, it's just... <laughs> it's amazing people so reliant on GPS and that now. So. Well, when the EMP happens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have this great adventure. It's called a map, but I can't zoom in. It's got a fixed variable. It's got a fixed, fixed. rate. <laughs> Not fixed variable. It's got a fixed number here, boys. Yeah. It's a fixed scale. Yeah. And it even tells you by that how big that scale is, how far you have to go. Yeah. Oh, you mind might, blown. You might need a ruler. <laughs> you might need a ruler, yep. Yeah. Oh, classic. God. Yeah, because that's 90% of the stuff where I did. Like, I didn't start driving till we had smartphones, but still, I was like, okay, grab a map. There, 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 done. I just learned maps because I loved maps. I loved, you know, exploring things like that. Yeah. You know, sitting in the backseat of the car when I was little, I'd sit and read a city map of Calgary. That's, right? that's how I did Whenever my family traveled, I was the one that was in charge of the map. Yeah. Because I could get us anywhere. More recently, I think I feel like I've just memorized the map yeah. and can get us almost anywhere, like in Phoenix and that. I don't even navigate anymore. I'm like, I know where I'm going. Yeah. So you get familiar enough with a place. Like yeah. That, but. It's when you go to a place you don't know, but if you're able to look at a map for like 30 minutes, we're like, okay, I can know where yeah, to get Yeah, how many any- times though have we wasted, I don't know, hours on Google Satellite or something before going to a place and you're like, know roughly the lay of the land. Yeah. So oh, yeah, it's pretty easy. It's pretty good. It's it's fun too. So yeah, that it is. If you ever want to do something really cool? Go on Google Earth or something. Flip your orientation to put north south, and like just like look around the city and like think of it's like just totally changes your perspective on the entire city. It's like oh, that's interesting. I wonder if the city was so. So basically, you mean instead of using geometric north and south, you use magnetic north and south. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, but you look at the map and you kind of like think different. It's like, imagine you're coming from this way and you're thinking you're actually coming from the south end of the city. And then you like look at how roads travel. And it's like, oh, that road then goes right and then left. And well, yeah, it's it changes to- our perspective. It's kind of like how Australia puts the Australia on the top of the map instead of the bottom. Mm-hmm. You totally, and it looks like a totally different city when you do that. So it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, but, maps they're important. Some days, so. Yeah. Well, they still are. <laughs> we still need, ge- you know, geographers and cart- cartographers making them. Yeah. Because even though we have digital, like, satellite systems, they still need to be properly synced up with the world around them. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, remember when uh, Google Earth first hit Calgary? It's like, 
as soon as you left the city limits, it's like it had like a 400 foot jog where the roads were. It's like it stops there and that's 400 feet to where the road actually is. It's like, yep. how the heck did you ha- screw that up? I remember when you go through like the timeline mode on Google Earth still. There's like, it going, still shows like, the truck. Like one iteration, I think around like 2003 or 2004, there was like a winter map. And for some reason, the the blend points of the imagery was really off yeah. halfway through no- the northwest part of the city and everything was just shifted by like well, well, two it, well, or 300 meters it was bizarre well so yeah between 2004 and 2000 right i think it was like 2004 to 2008 there was a like if you took Crosshild out to 12 mile coolie like as soon as you cross 12 mile coolie it just jumped like it jumped a, like a hundred feet. And the resolution north. went down, down by like yeah. you know a scale of like like they didn't they didn't so. even try to line those images up. Yeah, no, it was weird. So, yeah. but <laughs> I get why it happens. But yeah, well, because they were using like database, they were using photos and maps from everybody. Yeah. Now they've now they're hiring company. I think they have like three companies that they only do the jobs to. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Old mappies. So. Well, is that it? I mean, we could, technically, that's it. I mean, I'm probably going to do one or two in Columbia, too. I'm just going to take my little H1. Oh, yeah, you're going down there. So yeah. that'll be a really cool trip. Yeah. What's so. the other thing? Uh, Don't yeah. get killed, please. Yeah, that's highly unlikely I'll get killed. Perfect. Yeah. I like the sound of that. I mean, I don't trust uh, I don't trust the drug cartels, but considering that the FARC is mostly surrendered, the only thing left is the really militant wing of the FARC, which is now like the. Don't they live in the jungle, and you're not going to the jungle? Well, the thing is, like <laughs> that. No, that like so the mil- the really militant group that's still holding on is in like a very small section of the jungle, and the Colombian army knows exactly where they are, and they don't even bother with them anymore. It's just a containment thing, essentially. Pretty much. If they now. start moving outside their. Uh... Yeah, because because I think the the group that's left is not like these are the true communists who didn't associate with the the uh, drug cartels. Right. I think like they weren't the opportunist communists. Yeah, they were the ones who like they were the tr- they are the true believers. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny how that always happens in the jungles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of the other things is uh, why the future looks so awesome. <laughs> why the future looks so awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs> I feel like you just put that sound. I, there and... Yeah, yeah. Well, since this isn't monetized anyway, I don't think I'd have too much problem. The problem is if I did distribute it for free, yeah, then I would get a DMCA. True. But. Yeah, but yeah, oh yeah, the future is looking pretty damn good. I mean, if computers and smartphones and if if quantum computing suddenly becomes accessible, <laughs> yeah, that's still a while away, as beyond theory. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was also thinking about like um, futuristic stuff. Uh, somebody was talking to me about the idea of um, uh, the universal basic income when robots basically replace human labor. And I was saying that's going to take a long time. Yes. Because everybody that I've talked to, I mean, granted, technology speeds up and stuff like that, but most of the people I've talked to that bring up the universal basic income are very, are pretty much talking only about factory jobs, like jobs that are monotonous, always the same, no matter what. There's yeah. n- there's barely any change, and those iterated changes can be like you just change out that one robot and that street process still in like any assembly line robots makes total sense to go to but i I was saying like 
you know, if you're dealing with custom houses, like houses, 90% of houses aren't built exactly the same way ever. Yeah. I mean, wood, timber makes it pretty hard and unless you're doing concrete and steel and even then you still have variations. A robot's not going to be able to, on a very set code, it's not going to be able to work with that. Yeah. Now, if you have a learning things like machine learning, yeah, you can probably get around that with AI, but that's going to require a ton of computing power on site. Okay, but what about a house that isn't built out of timber anymore? What if we get to the point where we're doing the large-scale 3D printed houses? Yeah, right? I mean, if that... that's how... The thing is, is that we're going to change how we build things as yes, well because that's, of that technology. That's true, but I think that modularity that's coming out is still going to have a demand for. It's still going to be really customizable. Absolutely, I agree. I think like you're so going to be able to. You're going to be able. Gonna you're going to be able to have the prefabrication. It's going to probably going to be able to be robot, but how it's fitting in is going to be le- oh, still going to be a lot. Design of Design is still going to be human. But then, inspiration? It was, but then I was also thinking of how. Even if those jobs became the robots, the servicing of the robots are still going to have to be human to, for a relatively yes. long point of time, because you can't have a robot service a robot. Because once if we figured out when we built the the first the robot, we thought here's the problems that's going to come into. We didn't have any un, unexpected wear and tear. Of course, there's always unexpected wear and tear, but the servicing robot's only going to know to deal with those things. It's not going to think like, hey, this shock absorber uses oil. Maybe I should check to see if the oil condition's still good after so many iterations. Yeah. Or maybe I should say, like, hey, is the oil reservoir leaking? It's like, yeah. no, it's good. Like, it'll check, like, oil life is good. The cylinder looks good. It's like, but I, do, do I check to make sure the reservoir doesn't have a problem with it. Like, yeah. humans do that because they have that intuition of, like, eh. Yeah, there's, there's just going to be some growing pains during that transition time because you're going to have the people that are still able body capable of working not have jobs anymore. But their kids in that are going to, they're not going to, yeah. there's not going to be the push like the old classic. You live in West Virginia, you're going to be a coal miner. You're going to ra- be raised yeah. a coal miner, right? People now know that it's like, I was a coal miner. You're not going to be a coal, coal miner. miner. You're going to go to school and learn how to program computers or do whatever. Yeah. Well, right? yeah. So there's going to be that growing pain period. But once we get past that, what would you call it, 20, 30 years maybe that would be at most? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a gen- It's definitely going to be at least a, a it's, it's two, a one, two. It's kind of a one to two generation gap. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still thinking, when I was looking at that, that all that stuff, there's still going to be, even if you could theoretically take every, like, until you have super AI and the idea of the singularity where we're all connected in to a supercomputer like the Matrix, except we're voluntarily done instead of controlled. Until you get to that point, you're still going to have to have, well, humans are still going to be at some point building machines specifically for certain jobs. Yes. Because we're still going to have the ability and creativity to figure out problems. Like even with machine learning, we've learned uh, just how certain algorithms in the past few years have been able to be very easily manipulated by simple data issues yep. that mean that their entire original idea of I have to learn this now, it's like, oh, but my attention's been locked there. Computers can seem to be able to be easily suffered from attention deficit disorder quite effectively <laughs> by people who know how to do that. I feel so much better right now about myself. <laughs> uh, I mean, just, uh, was it, um, the, yeah, the, the, that Microsoft AI, that the Microsoft were... AI that turned into a racist in what, like a week or something on Twitter. I think it was like three was... days. Yeah. Was I think it was three days. It was something with... ridiculously short that it, I think it was designed to be like 
AI on Twitter, I think, was their idea. Yeah, and it was basically supposed to be, essentially le- learn how to com- properly communicate. Yeah, it was supposed to be conversational or just like, you know, in touch with like stuff going on in the world with a little bit of humor and that in there. And it turned into like a full-blown like racist. Yeah, and how quickly the guys who knew like how the trolls were able to very effectively change that. I mean, that's... And I don't think there's been an AI that's been that publicly released since then that hasn't no. suffered similar yeah. issues. And that was like, what, four years ago? Three, three, three years ago. Yeah, probably, it was three years ago yeah, when they pulled it down. Right. I remember that. It was pretty funny when that came out. Yeah. But, so, but we've so seen you, that... We've got thermal runway with uh, like fires and like, you know, um, minerals and, I don't know, batteries, I guess, go with that. If they like get breached in that, if they catch fire, you have a thermal runway. What does it happen? What do you call it when you have like an AI runway? Is that just like a... That gets like totally out of hand. Is there a name for that yet? Uh, we need to coin that. I'm fairly certain there there's an actual term about that. I just like I know there is multiple scientific terms for it. I just don't know any. Of them. Yeah, I'm trying to find some humorous one in there. So yeah, Jarvis runway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the nerd element in there. Well, I, I Marvel. I, I, well, it's, yeah. Yeah, but. Jarvis and Jeeves, practically the same thing, except one's only internet-based. The other one only works for Tony Stark. Does Jeeves still exist online? Uh, no, he's not on the website anymore. It's just ask. Oh, yeah, it's just ask. Yeah. So, I wonder if you go to askjeeves.com, does it still just redirect you to? It just redirects you to yeah, ask. I, I think it was like, I think in 2005 they took that. They completely Did changed they it over. No, I feel like I was still in school. And... Well, really? Yeah, I thought. Because I, oh, there is a, no. Oh. It's on Wikipedia the exact time when they pulled it off because it yeah. was an actual ceremonial event. Maybe it was in 2007. Yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah. Because I remember my brother bringing it up one day. He's like, Jeeves is gone from the internet. Yeah. I remember when that. I remember when they used to advertise Ask Jeeves on TV. I remember that. Yeah. I do remember those. So He also looked sort of like the Monopoly guy, didn't he? Sort of. Like, yeah. Same build. Same build. Same except build, kind of same cartoony style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, he was more. Um, he was more of similar cartoony style. He was more of that um, French long leg uh, tiptoe style. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, more of that butler style rather than the banker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it was uh, all those old search engines were so great. What yeah. was there like Alta Vista was good. <laughs> yeah, Dogpile. Yeah, I'm trying to remember which other ones. Ask Jeeves. <sighs> So it's when you used to was have to mon- was, like monster was mostly a job one, wasn't it? But it's monster was just jobs. Yeah. But it's, is it even still going or is that? No, been... They renamed it five, 10 years ago now. Yeah. It's something else. I don't yeah. even know what it is, but uh, yeah. I mean, I you're... remember all those. I remember when they would tell you to say, Oh, use different search engines for your, uh, to find your research sources. And now it's just like Google. Yeah. They were yeah. like, don't use, just use Google. Use some other sites as well. Use those as search yeah. engines as well. It's like, <laughs> no. Yeah. Now, well, now um, I, I saw a, uh, it was a document about how um, research librarians are actually busier now than they have ever have been because there's a lot of specific theories, fields of research that Google doesn't have access to. I mean, the fact that we've digitized a lot of scholarly journals helps, but a lot of them are still behind a paywall that you have to yeah. be a university oh, student or university yeah. faculty to access. So this, the um, well, and also there the amount of data that's researchable for any given person has grown so much that a research specialist now is even more valuable yeah oh for sure right (laughs) you were limited before by you know what was in your university's library what journals they had on hand but now you can get 
so much more stuff that might have only been published in one place, but now it's just it's like oh, it's, it's everywhere cheap. now. It's cheap to publish everywhere. Yeah. So well, digitization costs are relatively. I guess, they're small. I mean, you just look at the size of a good Kindle book. Like yeah, you you buy it on Kindle. It's like what's like two hundred and thirty kilobytes of data or whatever. Yeah, well, it's, it's like tiny. Oh, tiny. I mean, and you think about it like Word files. Yeah. Like a true text PDF has always been that small. It's amazing yeah. how little data it is. It's true. Yeah. What? 8-bit, you know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It has all the characters you need and each one's like that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're really, they're really simple. I mean, geez, for a lot of regular sized libraries, if you digitized all their book collections, you're still going to have it's still going to be less space than a uh, 720p five-minute video on YouTube yep. in total data compression. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even the Library of Congress, what did they say? It's not... It's like less than a petabyte of data. Uh, it's less than a terabyte. Yeah. It's and no, no, no. It's, it's, it's more than a terabyte, but it's, it's like about, less than... So I remember um, when the holographic disks were being adver- thought up about 2007, 2008, they were about 3.14 terabytes. And it was that the Library of Congress was like 1.5 to 1.7 yeah, so at that point in time, and that then, was include yeah. and that was including the uh, f- picture archives that were put in on it. Right. So yeah, it was unbelievable how little. Yeah. <laughs> it was so. Yeah. Problem with digitizing now is that we're they're still at the stage where they're just scanning a lot of material, so it is stored as picture data. Yeah. So a it makes it very difficult to search still. Yeah. It's getting better, but it's still. We're not truly digitizing data yet. No, no, we're just we're taking a picture of it and hoping that uh, someday somebody will turn it into a pure text document. Yeah. And a pure ASCII file that's really easy to access. Yeah. Which, so. Which will eventually like. But I guess this, we are doing that bit by bit every time we enter a verification code. Yeah. <laughs> on those things. Yeah, I mean we are getting better at that. Uh, what was another thing? They're figuring out how to do that. I mean they they know how. Um, was it? Flickr or somebody, one of the um, image uh, sharing websites did this thing where they were able to identify using pictures like what birds were in the picture. Yeah. That being said. I think it, Google was working on that for a while too. They were yeah. trying to do like picture-based search or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So, But yeah. I, well, but the, just the data itself like on pages. Like I know you can get an optical character recognition. Like that is very impressive yeah. now. But I mean still it takes – time to convert and yeah. you know verify essentially the data well yeah it was like um uh what was it um uh so there there was uh there was an xkcd comic about where they had like uh, a picture of a mountain and they wanted to compare another picture of a mountain or like compare different angles to see if it was the same mountain in a computer and i think they're still like that still hasn't been done no that would be because even with like you can even when it's like only a slight angle off and it's got the same almost image, it still doesn't fully recognize that if it's not in the same point in frame. Yeah. But it can figure out like, yes, I know that that picture is blue and that picture is blue. I can say those are the same, but yeah. that mountain, even if it's a one degree change, is like I, I think it's a completely well, different place. Well, I think place. that's because pictures are analyzed based on color data. So as soon as you move a little bit, your color data yeah. actually itself changes. The same point will look slightly different with you know this much yeah. more shadow or this much less indirect light. So you're, yeah. you, there's no algorithm. It, it doesn't realize that it has to identify that, yes, this is the same thing, switched a little bit, so therefore this point corresponds to this point, 
does this difference agree to the change in well, yeah. the lighting, right? It I doesn't think, have the context. Well, I think, yeah, eventually we're going to get to digital cameras. So they're going to be able when they're taking pictures. But will, in the picture data, it'll be able for a computer to actually figure out distances on that image yep. very effect effectively. And that's going to allow it to start picking us like, yep. hey, those two cliff faces are exactly like have those breakups yeah, at the exact same that, point yeah. at that distance. I mean, you're going to have to have really good resolution for that, which we're getting pretty close to. But that's where they're going to have to start figuring out because it's always going to have to be the simplest idea to check is distance measurement. Yeah, I never thought of that, but that's a because good point. distance does make sense. Because that is, I mean, you're going to also then deal with the issues of like, well, if a tree got moved because it fell over, but you're going to be able to then basically create three dimensional. Yeah scans of that stuff like being, well, that's the other problem is living things are also going to be very difficult to do well they've done it with birds i mean at yeah. least one set of birds that yeah. Flickr has done it with successfully where it can yeah. tell like it's that picture has this bird in it yes but like that's that's easier to do i think because a bird has this coloring on it or this, well that's or, the thing it's like right? it's got uh, they're Whereas able to say forest, like your leaves are going to change your yeah you know the moss on the tree and the ground is going to grow and further up it's like this no longer agrees here is this the same point yeah so yeah at that point you are going to have to deal with geotagging yeah and hopefully that that geotag information is able to be give you exact orientation of yeah. sighting like oh, compass and geotag you're gonna have to put in like your orientation your gps coordinates your distances all of that is going to become yeah really really key yeah well that is stuff that somebody's probably working on, and it's unfortunately probably to make all that work properly is beasts of a computer. Probably you're gonna have to be looking at like supercomputers to make that all work, at least right now. Yeah. Maybe in sixty years it'll be like the home computer, which we probably won't have by then. We'll probably all just have terminal systems at that point. Yeah. Uh, well, some, most will. I I still have the theory that there's gonna be enough hardware enthusiasts that they'll always be some people who have their home computer systems, but those are the guys who are going to be like running their own control system out of their yeah. home. They're not going to plug into the net. Oh, there's always going to be enthusiasts. I mean, look at like vinyl, right? Yeah. Look at vinyl music, right? There's always... You want to look at another one? Cassette tapes coming back. No, just no. Just, it is. No, I don't want that. You know why? Mixtapes. Mixtapes. I'm oh, not man. kidding. So one, the company, um, one of the companies in... But the only company in the United States that provides the magnetic tape for credit cards got a call from one of the record companies like, we need three miles of tape, <laughs> of magnetic tape to make to make some cassettes. Yeah. And they're like, okay. So they went into the back. That was the only set they had because they bought for like 10 years. Yeah. Expecting like, oh, we're, we'll, we'll buy in like two years because credit cards don't use that much. Yeah. So now they're built. So now they've built a factory in the United States to make magnetic tape. Oh, that's funny. Which is good because now they've actually put jobs back in the market. Yeah, but he's well, like, it's like when they uh, when vinyl's been coming back, I guess so much here. They said, okay, we need to put together a new. You know, there was a need for more capacity of pressing vinyl and everything, and all these young engineers, I guess, were having to call up these old guys. It's like, hey, we how did you the, do this? We have the schematics, we have everything, but we can't get it to work flawlessly. So. Yeah. Like the know-how is not there anymore. Oh, for sure. Stuff it's... like that. Stuff like that gets lost. And unfortunately, a lot of times we find we have proof where having the schematics versus having, uh, well, specifically involving machines that use metal, having just a pure schematic blueprint 
versus yeah. having the tolerances that that schematic is able to have is two different things. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of those proof of points and schematics, uh, like tolerance data, are always kept separate. Yeah. It's like uh, the guys, uh, there's a group of guys in the United States, HMG Gunworks, they're making a replica of the uh, uh, STG-44. Okay. So they have all the original blueprints of the STG-44 or the MP-44 or stuff yeah. like that. But because nobody uh, in during World War II, nobody in Germany kept like the reasons of why they needed, like they didn't say how hard the metal has to be for this component. Why was it bent that way? It's like... There's a lot of things where it was simply because, uh, well, we know it was bent that way because we used that bending machine because it was closest to the uh, it was yeah. closest to and the power unit. It was and closest, it worked. <laughs> yeah, that's how it was. So they're having to basically like re almost like they're they're re-engineering the gun. Yeah, completely. Prototyping. It's like the only thing they're having the same is the outside exterior and the bolt design. Yeah. But everything else, like they had to figure out like so some stuff is pretty much the same. Like they know the gas system's the same. They know that you could put the same barrel in it. But you can't put the same bolt in. They have to figure out why does that work, why does that work. It's like there are things that you just don't think about when you're building a machine. Yeah. And it's the same. It's going to be like we're going to – well, if these mixtapes are coming back, we're going to see this. Are, are we going to see Sony Walkmans again? Because I don't know if Sony still has the expertise to build those anymore. Yeah, really, right? I don't know if anybody wants the expertise to build Walkmans again. Well, if somebody's building mixtapes, I – well – because I know that the the quality of the tape that these guys are building is considerably better than the the, the later generation of cassettes. You're gonna see. I don't think you'll see those, but you'll see like ghetto blaster type systems come back and ho- yeah. and household. Yeah. So ghetto blasters, I would get, but again, that's still figuring out how to properly make that run. And this, I I yeah. think that because of it's been so long since we've had portable CD players, even yet yeah. alone, even yet those alone, microsystems that are you know gone yeah, right yeah just, yet, yet alone the cassettes like they're gonna have to figure out how to deal with shock movement yeah. of those things because that stuff really yeah, does they took a beating that's true they're gonna have to do that that's gonna be interesting to see how they're bringing that up yeah it's funny how we have all this amazing technology where you can have a phone that has 128 gigabytes worth of storage space that can hold more music than you ever than 10,000 cds combined and yet people want one cassette yeah for eight tr- for, I, I, I for 16 get, tracks i don't get the cassette one the vinyl one i get because the quality there is great yeah because vinyl is warmer sound yeah i mean the only reason i can understand cassette besides from the mixtape which is probably the only reason is people want to get around the there's sharing a nostalgia of factor of there's it. the nostalgia factor of that and unfortunately a lot of people are watching a lot of people younger than us who didn't have mixtapes are growing up seeing the classic movies that make references to them and like I think that would be cool to do with my friends like yeah, yeah a couple hundred bucks maybe <laughs> the post Napster crowd even where they couldn't just get one song off or whatever yeah. and build their playlist right yeah but I it's like do we want to go back to bulky storage data I mean no, we've not really I'm good I mean I guess it's going to be a really niche market I just hope it works out well I yeah. mean apparently if those guys think it's enough to build a factory and that they've got enough contracts set up through various uh record dealers it's like okay fine <laughs> hope it works out for you yeah I mean we know that audio technica and groups like that are going to come out with amazing in-house units that can be plugged into sure, main systems absolutely but again, whether the <laughs> again we're looking output, back, you gotta have the whole thing that works. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> so.
So. It's, it's just weird that that's kind of like the nostalgia and the retro factor is coming back. You I, know what? As long as eight tracks don't come back, we're good. I, there, I don't think there's enough of a hippie movement to make eight tracks come back. No. I think, unfortunately, the hippies were too, as we can see today, the hippies were the progressives but were too peaceful. <laughs> they didn't want to get into fights. Now, now we see that the uh, progressives are the anti-fascists who want to go out and beat the shit out of people. They're not calm enough to handle eight tracks. Yep. Well, and the quality eight tracks, just in general, was not good there at all. Yeah. So. Well, it's kind of like you can't take a uh, vinyl and plug it into your uh, car when you're driving on the road. That was the pretty much the <laughs> thud, thud, <laughs> skip. Oh, I'm on to the next track now. <laughs> Oh, just ran out. Great. Flip it over. B-side time. (laughs) Maybe if I hit that speed bump quick enough, it'll flip it for me. (laughs) Oh, man. That would be funny. Oh, Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We're getting pretty good. I think going back to the robot thing, though, I wouldn't be surprised if even though robots are going to be able to take away a lot of our jobs... Once they figure out how to make biomass-based machines, so basically, like, once they're able... Well, not even machines. Once they're able to manufacture human beings or creatures of similar capability of humans to do the work... Yeah. Because... That's, food, pro- that's problematic. Well, not... Well, it's problematic for the ethical reason. But for the practical reason of economics, food can be infinitely grown yeah can't you can't mine coal after you run out of coal yeah, that's a good point i mean even with recycling we're still gonna have a slight degree of loss of material yeah. eventually yeah unless we get to the point where machines are basically subservient on biomass in which case play horizon zero dawn and see how that worked out <laughs> <laughs> shameless video game plug are you trying to get sponsored here or something <laughs> I don't know if I could accept sponsorships from video game companies. Like, if they sent me free video games to test and just I have the ability to say what the hell I want about them, sure, you're willing to do that for me. I mean, I know that they do it for a bunch of other people, but right now I'm just another gutter snipe in the pile. Like, there are guys who get, who've got, like, millions of subscribers on YouTube that aren't YouTubers who just play but are actually critical that game companies won't give code to. Yep. Why are they going to give it to me when I'm probably just be like, eh, it was okay. It was a game. It was it was a game. It, it was, was like a game. It, I moved my controllers. Hit it was some a, buttons. It, it was like you know. I was like it was a really good game for that that market. It's like if you don't want to do that, you're probably not going to like this game. Blah blah blah. Like yeah, I'm actually going to critically think about it and tell you the truth. Tell you how I feel. And I'm not say hey, go out and buy it. It's like this is what I felt. Get it? Yeah. I can't do that. It, even if you paid me fifty thousand dollars and made me play a really crappy game, it's like you have to give a great review. I'm like. Well, you're gonna have to spend that fifty thousand somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, if you give me fifty thousand in a game and you don't tell me, I have to say good things. But it's like I'm gonna take that fifty, run with it, and say whatever the heck I want. <laughs> and I will disclose if you send me a game, any game company, and try to pay me. I will tell people like these guys tried to pay me for a good review. So, you know, I didn't review the game. <laughs> Minus five points. <laughs> I'm just not gonna review it. You guys can get it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But all right. Well, in closing, we well, solved the problems of the world. Sort not. of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of problems. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I don't know if it was real or not, but they had a a um, 
picture apparently from the Russian commander of the uh, Russian army in Syria, like t- telling the American army to win against the U.S. Navy in the football game. Go army! <laughs> I'm fairly certain it's fake in Photoshop. Oh, it's of course really, it is. But it was just a really funny thing. I, <laughs> somebody was like, "Russia's meddling in American affairs again." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... And I think we just went full circle there on this uh, this episode. Yeah, we always go first full circle. But yeah. By the way, can uh, can streaming services? I mean, I know there's a copyright issue with you guys in this and licensing reasons, but can you stop getting on uh, the individual users' butt about using uh, you know uh, what do they call that VPNs? Because maybe when we're Canadians and we fly to another country and we use a VPN to stay in Canada and then you ban us from using it because we want to get our content that we did pay for up front in subscription. Maybe you guys could just figure out a way how to make sure like it's a Mac address lock instead of an IP address lock. Yeah, you could do something like that. I mean, because that would be easy. I've done a Mac address shift before though. (laughs) Yeah, but I think less... but I think that would they would be able to lock that address, that MAC address to your account when you first logged in. So if you change it too much, it'd be like, okay, this is a new device. Have to re, re-upload yeah. it. And then it would say, then it would detect your IP that you're doing it at. Yeah. Or, frankly, a lot of places should do it. I mean, I understand the reason why people don't want Netflix to do it is because when they do travel to the United States, they get a different library than when they're in Canada. When there's English-speaking countries, you get different libraries. Yeah. And because companies want to give stuff like that. But... You know, let's say I'm a guy who wants to watch NFL stuff in Colombia. Nobody provides it down there. Yeah. I can't watch it down there. I can't watch the Canadian streaming supplier because they'll ban me for using a VPN. I can't use an American streaming supplier because they'll ban me from using a VPN. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is to that. but Well, the answer is, I mean, unfortunately, one way around it is like, hey, you select it when you got buy into that stuff. You you create an option like I'm a world traveler, but my account is always a Canadian credit card, so I just lock it to the Canadian content. Yeah, lock it to the credit card uh, home address. Yeah, they probably could run with that. Yeah, the problem with the international borders thing is frankly because governments have gotten in the way. I know that if it well, and they've sold their li- the rights to material in all those countries. Yeah, to somebody, and whether those. Co- whether that person who owns those rights is actually using them or not, that's the problem. Well, yeah, but I think that, like, you I need think to do if, something I think like if, the cell phone companies have done. Say, okay, when you travel, you buy a World Pack or something yeah. like that. Or well, like, yeah, I think they could do that. I think the other thing is also just a lot of they could they could make intellectual free trade a possibility. Yeah, because I think a lot of these things were uh, because when Disney brings a film up to Canada you no doubt that they are copywriting that film in the Canadian copyright system sure. because of the, co- even with the copyright treaties, stuff like that, they are copywriting it in every country oh, yeah. to make sure that somebody isn't stealing that idea and claiming like you didn't copyright it in this country yeah. for, for, you know, like patent trolling, which unfortunately does get away with a lot yeah. of this stuff, but they could create a way of saying like, Hey governments get out of the way. Like we can solve this in courts with lawsuits and for, yeah, suits and frankly, sometimes not even at the government level. It is at the corporate level, right? That have sold off the rights, and yeah. that contract says, "Well, I think that's, we get all profits for this." Well, I think that's the old corporate system that's kind of starting to realize that the new age media systems are much yeah. better distribution of content. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about this uh, with a buddy of mine, and I've told you about this. They're at the point now where we know 
that they could on besides from big action movies like besides from Star Wars that's about to come out, they could technically release movies on streaming or on demand online the day of for the same price to watch yeah. or even a little bit cheaper. And the co- movie companies would make way more bank on that. The fact that they, yep. have, they haven't moved to that. I guess the only downside would be is that you're going to get, who knows, five of your friends could come over and watch it for the price of one movie ticket. Yeah, but then you're not paying for the, I mean, then you're not paying to make physical copies to distribute to True. the movie companies. You're, so you just charge the upfront, the normal download fee, like, what is it, 30, 25 bucks for a HD movie on iTunes or something now? You create, you cre- well, you create like a rental thing for it. Yeah. For that. Like, you, you create some type of deal, but they could definitely make that much more accessible and much cheaper. Yeah. Well, you're seeing that more and more with just Netflix and Amazon Prime well, and all those, those now, right? Well, they're those just, guys are... They're just well, direct-to-consumer now. Well, that's the thing is they they know how to do that. And because they're making their own content, they don't have copyright laws banning that from various locations. Yeah. Wherever you go in the world, if you, you they have that everywhere. Well, at some point, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe series, like we've seen now they've got series and... Do they have any, I don't know if they have any movies that are Netflix only yet in the Marvel Cinematic... I know they have like they the TV yet. shows, but... At some point, I bet they're going to realize it's saying we're making more off these TV shows, or they'll try a movie on direct to consumer Netflix and say, "Okay, the next key one in the trilogy is Netflix only or Prime only or something yeah. like that." Well, think- and that's what's going to take the tipping point. Is they're going to look at the economics of it. Yeah, ha, full circle. Yeah. Well, two. I think that's the thing. Is like you're going to see. There's a lot of movies that it doesn't make sense to have big theatrical release dates. Yeah, there like, are a lot like everything that's at the Cannes Film Festival. Well, yeah, well, a lot of a lot of the yeah a lot of the big artsy film festivals they don't those movies cost a lot to distribute around the world and they generally don't make the money back for the yeah for the theaters or they're that rent very them. very limited release or yeah you're dealing with like you know maybe they'll get a two week release at one theater in your city yeah that could definitely go to digital distribution after the concert film festival and make way more money and be way cheaper to spread yeah. I mean, I guess the uh, my only other reason I'm thinking is that they don't do it yet, and I do think that's a valid reason, is guys with screen capturing programs. Yep. But I mean, Netflix is suffering from that. Amazon is. Yep. Guys are doing that no matter what. People are always yep. going to do it. I mean, Sony's big, uh, before the big uh, hack f- from um, the uh, the one about North Korea with Seth Rogen and James Franco, the biggest release from Sony was uh, their like, VP of marketing was the guy... Fi- taking digital copies and distributing it online because yep. he was mad about not getting a pay raise. <laughs> like so. some of the biggest pirating agency pirators in Hollywood is Hollywood. I believe it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a long one. I'll have to edit this sucker down, but well, not too much really. I'll just have to connect a thing and connect another thing. And, you know, here a duck, there a duck, everywhere a duck, duck. Yeah. And maybe throw a goose in just to make sure. There you go. And then have Maverick crash goose. <laughs> goose, goose. And with that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Top Gun two of, of, at one time in the future. I don't know if that's it's on. still a go. Yeah, that thing's been great a, balls of fire. That thing's been a go since 2012. <laughs> it's a go. Yeah, it's in filming. Yeah. So yeah, when are they? Uh, when they finish principal photography, that's going to be an important day. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's about it. That's uh, Jeff and Justin signing off for the second episode. Don't trust people. Well, don't trust single guys with deep freezes.